1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring, boring.
0: Hey, okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. You'll have brown man run around tight
1: pants. It's Mookie Betts. Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aelki. Here it's Salt This is Brock Hole. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Bradford.
2: And now we pivot to America's most beloved baseball analyst, of course. He is the one and the only at Bradfoe. Of course. He of the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast, the Brad Bradfoe Show, all the WEEI action, and so much more. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline. Bradfoe, how was you, first and foremost, how was your World Series week?
0: Oh, it's good, man. Like, are you kidding me? My only regret was we gave Tori Lovello a Baseball Isn't Boring sticker, which he put in his hat before Game 2, and they won. So he was ready to ride and die with that thing all the way to a championship, and we were going to get major publicity when he got stepped up to the podium and said, this is the reason, my friend. <laughs> but, uh, but alas, that, that never happened. And, and I, I do want to say this, is that uh, breaking news, I did get a quote from John Henry that day, um, which I've been sitting on, and this is, I'm revealing it for the first time here Ooh. on your guy's show. Yeah, I said, uh, he said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect <laughs> and he <laughs> you said never it know left t- you ask That's no, right that,
2: no, thank you
0: <laughs> oh, that's fine.
2: I th- you know brad i know it was, I know it was underwatched, and it was only five games, but I found that to be a pretty entertaining world series, and I was very happy for the Texas Rangers, who Andy was just uh, going on about momentarily right before uh, you joined the program. The idea that, hey, look at that, you can use a a smattering of homegrown talent along with some, uh, you know, well thought out, high priced free agents, put them together in the right mix. And that concoction, if you will, that cocktail turns out to be a team that was in it all season. They were white hot out the gate. Then they regressed. They came on at the end of the season. And that was a postseason heater for the ages, and I couldn't be more thrilled for them. Corey Seager is, like, uh, someone everybody should like, like, teach your kids to play baseball like that guy and get paid like that guy. And how could you not be happy for good old Nate Evaldi?
0: Oh, yeah. And, and I think that you guys hit the nail on the head that like, we learned from how you win. And, you know, we had John Daniels on, who obviously built a, a huge part of that team. And then Chris Young comes in and gets the pitching, gets Evaldi, and gets the veteran pitchers. But you take a step back and you look at it and say, all right, you know, that's how it can work. And and I do think when you're talking about the Red Sox, it's not always just a straight line and apples to apples, but there is a lesson to be learned. Absolutely. And And we talked about this even before the Rangers won, that you have to have the guys, the foundation guys that you have while you're getting the other guys where you're building around the other guys. In other words, Brian Bayo on the Texas Rangers wouldn't be the number one starter and wouldn't be the guy that everyone said, we are relying on Brian Bayo. He would be the number three starter who you're learning from Nathan Evaldi, who you're learning from Scherzer, or even Degrom on the sidelines and same thing positionally, you know, Evan, you know, uh, the, the rookie there. I mean, you have that guy coming up while you have Seager and you have Simeon and yes, you paid for certainty. That's how it works, and now we're going to find out with this Red Sox group if, if they actually understand that, because other than Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin, they didn't pay for certainty before that.
1: So Rob, I uh, was on with Rich Keith the other night, and I, you know, as Rich sometimes does, he brought a little bit of a negative tone that I didn't care for to the Craig Breslow introduction. Um, said we got <laughs> just another geek, and a ge- he's, he's Heim Bloom with a curve ball, and he had all these lines ready to go. I I actually left the press conference uh, excited because I heard Craig Breslow say some things that triggered good thoughts in my head. One of which was. I'm here to make the tough decisions, whether intentionally or not, I thought was a little bit of a shot at the last guy who I don't think could make the tough decisions at tough times. And then he used the word acquisitions to list his way to build a baseball team, which excited me because if the Red Sox are back in the business of big-time acquisitions, I'm back in the business of being excited in the offseason. And so am I too optimistic in my read of this new geek baseball guy leader of the Boston Red Sox that maybe he's the guy that is going to bring life back to it?
0: Well, I, I think that number one, your what what is going to bring you back is going to bring back a lot of people, which is make the tough calls, make the tough trades, you know, get the one player instead of the five, get the, win the free agent battles with the Tampa Bay Rays for Zach Eflin, you know, when, when to do those sort of things, and, and and maybe get in the real deep water when it comes to the Yamamoto or Tani or whoever and go all Dave Dombrowski and say, I mean, (laughs) Dave Dombrowski bid $40 million more than anybody else for David Price because he knew he wanted an ace. I'm not saying they have to do that, but start doing some really uncomfortable things um, instead of the comfortable, like we set our price and that's what it's going to be. But when it comes to the the Breslow introduction, uh, number one, you know, I've known Breslow for a long time. In fact, guys, you would be honored to know that yes. Craig Breslow is WEI.com, um, an alumnus. He oh. wrote for us during the 2013 playoff run. Yes, you have got to
2: be us. kidding. He was a guest blogger for .com?
0: He was, a, he was a guest blogger. Don't try to find it because, as you know, they've wiped out all archives. <laughs> um, but but he, was a, he was a guest blogger throughout that playoff run. And so I, I've known him for a while. And, you know, I I hear those clips, and I saw him up there. Number one, I give him a lot of credit. He never looked at his paper. Like, he memorized that whole thing, which is kind of crazy. And the other thing is, that's not when you talk to Craig Breslow, that's not how he talks. It's just not how he talks. I think that one of the things that he does really, really well, and I think it's going to serve him, is that as smart as he is, every conversation you have, he listens to you. He's genuinely listening, processing what you're saying, and, yeah, then he might come back with words that you don't understand. But still, he, he genuinely listens. And for me, that goes so far. I, I, don't, I probably it transcends to all sports, right? But I always said this about Tori Lavella. Tori Lavella was one of the best human beings when it came to actually listening. How does this radio thing work? What does this microphone do? You know, that sort of stuff. Breslow is of that same ilk. And so I think that when it comes to Alex Cora, When it comes to people who are already there, he is going to go in with the open mind while also carrying that thing that he talked about, which is actually playing on a team and knowing what a major league clubhouse looks like.
2: Rob Bradford at Bradford joins us here on the Harbor One Hotline to catch up on all things Red Sox, Craig Breslow, and so much more. Yeah, you remind me also, uh, the Rangers are actually in a really good position next year to compete once again because they bid big last year, bigly for Jacob DeGrom, wasn't that three for 105, and he didn't even pitch yeah. a single? did pitch a minute this year. Uh, <laughs> must be nice to be paid $35 million to get your UCL repaired and hang out and do some stretching. But
0: and, and, by the way, Chris Sale so close to having a World Series ring. If I'm, boom, just doesn't turn down that trade for Chris Sale in 2022 uh, – Trade deadline, so so close, yes,
2: so close. But no, he's already got he's already got one, and oh, but oh, but the strikeout of Machado at Dodger Stadium still brings us joy. Would love to get back there. Um, all right, so we're we're all in on Craig Breslow, and yes, he he did put on the press conference voice and everything else, and uh, it seems like the Red Sox coaching tree is doing much better than the Belichick coaching tree uh, these days, Bradfo, <laughs> which is great. It's nice to have one of our own back in the fold. I think New Englanders, Bostonians, Sox fans really appreciate that. But I want to turn to you now. Uh, let's, let's play off season priorities. Uh, you know, we've, right. we've, dis- we've discussed on our show when, we, when we're on with Rich and we're talking socks. would you rather, you know, like Soto and Yamamoto or all in on Otani and then somebody else or, you know, the combinations therein that could be available, Snell, et cetera, this offseason. What would be the ultimate one-two punch for you to see Craig Breslow find a way to acquire this offseason?
0: Well, listen, I mean, Yamamoto is the guy that everyone talks about Otani, but Yamamoto, you're going to have more teams in on Yamamoto. And anybody who I know that everyone's sprung out of bed at 530 this morning to watch Yamamoto pitch the last time for the Oryx Buffaloes, but he did really well, and he did nothing to dissuade teams from actually wanting to sign him. And he's 25 years old, which is That's a big it? deal. I mean, 20. Wow. yeah, and so this is, this is the biggest, this is why all these teams are going to be in on him. Number one, he's good. He's 25. All these other guys that you're talking about for pitching, Snell and Nola and, Mm -hmm. you know, Sonny Gray, they're 30 and over. And so this is the guy that everybody wants. And the Red Sox have loved this guy going back a few years. So this is going to be the test. Do they want to compete with the big boys, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, whoever else? And, yeah, of course, Otani. Like, I'm not – i'm not ever going to say oh how dare they spend all this money on otani because for what they need forget about pitching for what they need in terms of pushing away apathy there is no better investment business-wise in the history of baseball than this guy and so i think and i and guess what i know that you guys know this he can get his sneakers just down the road at new balance <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness it, it, it's I mean, this is a laugh at like this. Oh, he has a great relationship with new ballots. Oh, he doesn't have to actually get them in the mail. What a difference. Um, so I think that, you know, those two are the obvious ones. And I do think that you have to start getting trades. I think you do have to start identifying some trades where, like I said before, it's just get the guy. Don't worry about getting the guys the guys that who are going to be serviceable major leaguers get the guy who is going to be part of the foundation going forward. And, and, uh, you mentioned Soto. I'm not, if they sign Soto, great, but Soto, I had heard some things in San Diego, him and Melvin, that was never going to work out for another year. Um, you know, your short-term deal, uh, he's not a guy that I would, would invest in long-term. I just, I, I I think their offense is good enough where you can find guys in trades to supplement what you have, but you've got to go get guys who can actually pitch five innings. So
1: two-part question here. Uh, Yamamoto, what's that going to cost, and can you give us a couple names? (laughs) Uh, Yes, a lot, whatever that big number is. What's it going to cost for Yamamoto? And give us a couple names we should keep an eye on on the potential trade market for a high-end pitcher.
0: Yeah, well, I'll answer the second one first, and Corbin Burns of Milwaukee. I mean, that's the guy that everybody is, is thinking the Brewers are going to trade. He's a top-of-the-rotation guy. Um, he, he's, you know, short-term deal. So you, you're you going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to pay the price for any of this. This is, this is the cost of doing business. This is we come back to, and I hate to keep belaboring the sort of Dombrowski era, but when, you know, when you overpaid $40 million for price and he's like, yeah, that's not quite enough, we got to go get sale too. Well, you allocated top prospects for overall for a guy who I think had, let's see, he had three years left on his deal. So that's, what, that's the cost of doing business. And it'll be the cost of doing business to get a guy like Corbin Burns in, in that deal. So that's a guy to keep an eye on, no question about it. And with Yamamoto, it's, it's going to be over $200 million which is, once again, I'll say it again, cost of doing business. And he's 25 years old, 25 years old for a free agent. It is it is so crazy that when I was looking this up the other day, Otani was 23 when he came in. And, I mean, you want to talk about the most undervalued contract in the history of the world? Mm-hmm. That's it right there. 23 years old for what you got for Otani, and you weren't able to capitalize on that. And And before we start that conversation – By the way, everyone can say, oh, Otani is fascinated by Fenway Park and New Balance is down the street. Well, I still can't get past the fact is that the Red Sox made up Bruins, Patriots, and Celtics Otani jerseys and never had the opportunity to present them to him because he didn't take a meeting with them. So Mm -hmm. I still think the guy wants to stay on the West Coast because there are teams that with money who want to pay a guy like him on the West Coast.
2: Yeah, and everybody. This is just my one man's opinion, but everybody associated with the Angels who decided to acquire talent and mortgage more of the future that they don't have right now, and sees a horizon that looks like the end of the first Terminator movie, deserves to live in that reality <laughs> or lose their jobs because you had a chance to trade him right before the injury announcement, and you would have gotten a King's ransom, a Herschel Walker esque, you know, basically rebrand of a franchise, and now they are in plunged into darkness, whereas Otani's going to come somewhere else. He'll hit for a year. Maybe he pitches again. Maybe he's an elite pitcher. It will be one of the more... Do you think Bradford's going to be one of the most uniquely structured contracts in baseball history because of the fact that he's not going to be able to pitch this year, and how good of a pitcher will he be once again, and how long can he keep up this, you know, uh, this dual-purpose uh, baseball magic like he does?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be uniquely structured. I think it's going to be the most expensive contract we've ever seen, and even without the ability to pitch, because the perception is that he's going to pitch next year, or the following after 2024. And 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 for me, like it's 100 million dollars worth in business. Like this is guy for business purposes. This is the be all end all. And and you're right with the Angels. I can't imagine. Listen, the Angels. My guess is at the end of the day, we're going to find out the Angels had the highest bid, right? But that doesn't yeah. mean Otani's going to go there because he's like, well, why do I want to do this over and over and over and over again? Especially when I don't even have to move barely. I can go to the Dodgers and, you know, all I have to do is convince Joe Kelly that I can wear number 17 and that's it. You know, the, the, the Dodgers are the most likely fit of everybody and everybody thinks that they were saving their money for Otani. So, uh, I just look at it, you know, I would love to see the Red Sox just get a meeting with him because that would show me that he's thinking a little bit differently, but until he gives that meeting, I just, I default fall back to his first go around with him.
1: Brad, one of the, um, I guess weird dynamics of Craig Breslow's arrival is the Alex Cora definitive. I'll be back. Oh, I'll be back. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here before we even had a new chief baseball operator or whatever the hell his title is. Um, is that a weird dynamic? Is there any chance that Breslow and Cora don't work perfectly? I know people like to say, oh, they played together, they'll be fine, they're baseball guys. How do you th- see that dynamic playing out this year, next year, or whatever, moving forward?
0: It's a good question. I think that, you know, on the surface, it's probably best case scenario because, as I said, Craig Breslow doesn't have a huge ego. He is a listener. Um, I think that you have, you know, Alex Cora, who is accepting of Craig Breslow because he knows him a little bit more. And, and so that's a good place to start. But that's not the beyond. All all. I mean, the, the Cora-Bloom dynamic, we all know, wasn't the best. But Cora <laughs> yeah. liked Dombrowski. You know why he liked Dombrowski? Because Dombrowski did what man- all managers want. He tried to win now. And I think that Cora, especially being on the last year of his contract, he, I think he views Breslow as a guy who, yeah, he wants to build up and fix pitching and everything else. But he also wants to win now because the ownership wants to win now. The ownership has to get rid of these Dodger parades and dollar tickets and all that. They know this. So they're going to spend money. And so I think that, that Cora, as we sit here, is, it, it's in a good spot. But we don't know. Like Honestly, Andy, like, we don't know until the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Because the trade deadlines were the things that always got under Cora's skin. Like That's what it was. It got under a lot of people's skin. And so wait Wait till you go there. I, I remember I talked to Mike Hazen down at the World Series, and he said, he said the one thing that I, I made a goal before the year was that I was going to be a buyer and help the team at the trade deadline. I'm like, holy mackerel. Like, and think about where the, the Diamondbacks were. They weren't exactly a juggernaut, but he was like, I am going to do this for the team. I, this is going to be a priority. And look at what Chris Young did. Same sort of thing. A guy who knew the value of playing on a major league team in a clubhouse, what that can do. So when that time comes around, I think that could be the the fork in the road in terms of is he on board or is he on board. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting dynamic, especially, you know, if if they don't get off to a good start and you're on a one-year contract, what does that look like? You know, and I'll throw out one possibility, which is, you know, I have no information on this. But if you talk about you don't have a GM, right, you don't have a GM, and rightfully so, by the way, you shouldn't hire a GM until you figure out what you need in that GM. Mm-hmm. But what happens if Alex Cora wants to ultimately merge into the front office, they get along, That Craig Breslow sees a fitting replacement in the manager's chair, and Alex Cora, hey, you, let's introduce you to the front office. You can become the GM. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it out there. Because it's spicy, and why not? Let's go. Sure.
2: Hey, let's you know, and Bradfo. That's how we like all of our spots. We did end. Let's get spicy and <laughs> let's go. That's a, that's going to be the new T-shirt. We're going to start selling at Baseball isn't boring. <laughs> 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 Dot Bradfo. <laughs> Let's get it's also spicy. my IBS
1: slogan. Let's get exactly. spicy and let's go.
2: Why do you have to make everything so
1: God so uncomfortable for everybody,
2: Brad? I can do this all day long. Uh, we're already up against it, and I'm sure I'll get a text message from uh, from management yep. saying, "Come on, stick to the clock." But Second in of five the day. in five seconds, Justin Turner percentage he returns to the Sox.
0: Uh, I was, This is going to copy a cop out. Fifty oh, percent. come on! No, no, there's no law. No, that's okay. No, I'll they, take honestly, no.
2: That they gives they me hope, Andy. They,
0: Andy. No, because, because I think it's all going to come down to who is, uh, who's going to be willing to give him a two-year contract. At 39 years old, who is going to be willing to give you a two-year contract? And if it's not the Red Sox, if I'm Justin Turner, as much as I liked it here, I, I, I'm going to squeeze out as much money and years as I can from the last couple of years of my playing days.
2: And I would give it to him because he busted out some old man strength this year that was excellent, and the leadership is something you can't put a premium on. He's at Brad Bradfoe. Give him a follow. Baseball isn't boring. Everyone's favorite baseball podcast. The Bradfoe Show and so much more. Thanks for a nice chunk of your Saturday, Bradfoe. Enjoyed the baseball chat as always. Enjoy your off season, and we'll catch you soon, brother.
0: All right, and go with it. Go Dartmouth, Andy. Like, Damn congratulations. right. Let's go. go. Go, go Dartmouth. Go I'm, down. I'm, uh, nope. I'm scouting for you. I'm, uh, right now, I'm at the Bentley Assumption football game, so I don't know if they're recruiting, but I'll put a bug in there here.
2: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. There he goes. On the Harbor One Hotline, the one and only Rob Bradford. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that... Something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.